Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. And it is Father's Day weekend, you know, Dr. Garber, it makes me think about two things, of course, and being at this unique point and uh, flex point kind of uh, in life in many ways, I think about my own father, uh, and boy, I've, I've got a great physical dad here on the earth for sure, he's, what a wonderful man, I, I wish him a happy Father's Day, of course, he's the uh, co-founder of the congregation, uh, along with my late mom, and, and uh, I, I think of my dad so fondly, and keep him in prayer. He's actually in a rehab uh, facility, physical rehab facility right now, uh, and, uh, and so he's doing uh, better, and uh, they're just uh, encouraging and trying to get him kind of back on his feet again. Uh, so would appreciate your prayers for Rabbi E., um, but as I said, he's doing, doing better, but keep him in your prayers, but he's a He's a, a great dad, and, uh, uh, and I remember him taking me fishing, and uh, in fact, uh, not too long ago, I went fishing with my kids, and it was the first time that I remember being fishing without my dad there, which was an unusual thing, and I'm like, you know, okay, how do I do this? And I thought, I never had to do this, because he always did. He's from Miami, you know, so he knew how to fish like the back of his hand. I mean, he could put the stuff together, the line, the, the leader, the... the the tackle, the whole thing. I mean, he could just a zip, boom, and he, you know, sh- showed me how to, and, and here, there came the fish, and then he'd get the fish, and I, and, and I, I realized when I was with him that I, I, I just basically cast and, and kind of reeled in the fish. That was my job, and I was like, where's dad to take care of? So, but it was so interesting. So, but in any case, you know, real, just wonderful thoughts and, and memories of dad and, uh, and, and still making them uh, today. Uh, actually, a few weeks ago, I was able to take him to a Braves game, his first Braves game at Truist Field. And uh, we had a great time uh, there for sure. And so appreciate your prayers for him. But of course, I think about my dad. But of course, as a father, Father's Day, I also think about my kids. Uh, as, as a father, right? You know, and it's that, that strange uh, dynamic and, and point and place in life. And Wow, let me tell you something. I, I, I'm going to tell you straightforwardly, I am very proud of my kids. I love my kids. They're great kids. They've been such a blessing. And, uh, and I think about them, and it just, it just makes me smile. It really does. It makes me smile as a father, you know, thinking about my kids. They're, they're good people. I remember when they had their bar and bat mitzvah, and, and uh, I don't mind telling you, I was just, the whole program, they just did such a great job in. My daughter, uh, and she worked hard for this, had the highest average in her class of 16 students uh, in the two-year program, uh, and I was very obviously impressed at that. She worked so hard when she studied for that 
bat mitzvah program, and, and I remember my son just did flawlessly when he was leading the service. It was like, wow, I didn't have that uh, when, when I was his age. And they studied so hard. They were amazing on their special day, and, and, I, and I couldn't have been more proud of them, truly. You know, some of you who are parents can probably relate. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're Einsteins or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to understand it. Jewish father here is talking. But I have to say that also they, they, they're hard workers. You know, I mean, they've, they've each made a cumulative total of one B in their lives uh, throughout entire school. And, and those were in college sciences. Uh, and did I mention that they're still in high school when they're taking these college classes, the dual enrollment thing, they, they take college classes while in high school. One was a a biology, and one was an advanced college chemistry, and, and uh, uh, otherwise all A's. I mean, you know, it's pretty remarkable to me, the, the hard work these guys have done. And, uh, and let me just say, too, I just think they have great personalities. <laughs> I'm talking about the kids a lot. I know it's Father's Day weekend, but I truly love spending time with each of my kids. I mean, it's an absolute truth. Anytime I get with, with, the, with them, I just, I just love it. I just love spending time with them. It's just, to me, a blessing. Uh, I love the people that they are, the, their, their personalities. <laughs> my, my daughter just texted me, thanks, Dado. <laughs> my smartphone, I'm having a glance, so sweet. I just love that. I told you they were good. I told you. Oh, I just, I really do. It's, it's, it fills my heart thinking about my kids. First John chapter three, please. First John chapter three. It's the absolute truth. First John chapter three. In the Brit Hadashah, listen to this. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sharing this message with you because I think it's going to bless you, all of you. First John chapter three, verse one. See how glorious a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And so we are. Oh, I like that. And so we are, Allison. We are God's children. What, how glorious God's love is to us that we should be called his children. And that's exactly what we are, is we are his kids. See, I was speaking about my children as a father. That's how I was speaking of my children, was as a father. And here is a very, very important Yiddish word for you. <laughs> I was really, really cavelling. <laughs> Some of you know the, the Yiddish word cavelling. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary to kvel is to be extraordinarily proud, and not in a bad way. <laughs> to Kvel, okay? It's Father's Day weekend, and this father, me, really Kvel's over his kids, as you could tell, right? I'm Kvelling a lot about my kids. They are amazing. Yet 1 John chapter 3 tells us that we are called God's children. Think about that. If you are a follower of God, you are one of God's children. He is 
your dad. He is your spiritual dad, your spiritual father, your spiritual daddy. Or as my kids sometimes call me, your spiritual daddo. <laughs> That's what God is to you. And let me tell you something. He is looking for every opportunity he can get to quell about you. <laughs> I am telling you, them's the facts. Truly. Oh, man, I want you to start to feel that today as you listen to this word from the word of God. Let's go to 2 Samuel, please, chapter 7. 2 Samuel, Bavakasha, chapter 7. So interesting when you look at it and when you understand it and when you connect God and his attitude towards us as his children when you stack that up against our own attitudes about our kids, you start to see a symmetry that becomes beautiful that you don't even have to be a father at all to understand. All you have to be is a child, really. You have to, be a, you have to have been born to understand this. So any of you who were not born... <laughs> okay, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Listen to this story about Melech David, about King David. It is such a beautiful story, but when I looked at it relative to what I'm talking about here today, I've read this story a million times, George. I'd never seen it in this context and how it relates this way. 2 Samuel chapter, one, verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came about when the king lived in his palace, he built himself a fancy palace, and Adonai had granted him rest from all his enemies around him. That the king said to the prophet Nathan, what did King David say to Nathan the prophet? He said, see now, I am living in a house of cedar, yet the ark of God remains within curtains. In other words, in a tent. Go, do all that is in your heart, Nathan said to the king, for Adonai is with you. Mm. See, King David is distressed that the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, right? You know, you saw it on uh, Indiana Jones. You, you know what it looks like, okay. <laughs> King David is distressed that the Ark of God, which is where God's presence rests, right? We know about the mercy seat and such, is in a tent while he, King David, is in a palace, that doesn't sit well with King David. He does not like that. That does not sit well with him at all. So he wants to build God a home. Since he has his own palace, he thought, this isn't right here. God's, because it was in a tabernacle still. The ark was still in the tabernacle, a, a mobile tent, literally. He said, this is not good. No, no, no. I want to build God a house. Very interesting. What does God think of this? I want you to hear about what God thinks of this. We're going to read a number of verses. Why? Because I want you to hear about how God raves about King David. I want you to think of this almost like, because it actually is, I want you to think of this as like almost like a father talking about one of his kids. 
So think about that as, in that context as we read this. Verse 4, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4. But it came to pass the same night that the word of Adonai came to Nathan, saying, so this is God, spoke to Nathan, the prophet, and said, go tell my servant David, thus says Adonai, are you to build me a house for me to dwell in? Since the day that I brought up the children of Israel from Egypt to this day, I've not dwelt in a house but have been moving about in a tent, even in a tabernacle. In all my journeying among the children of Israel, did I ever speak a word to any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to, to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? In other words, I never asked for this. I never asked for a house. Verse 8. So now, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says out of the night seven oats, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be ruler of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make your name as great as the greatest on earth. I will also set up a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they will dwell in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will the children of wickedness afflict them anymore as in the past. Since the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, so I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, declares Adonai to you, Adonai will make a house for you. That's what God says to David. I'll make a house for you, Bubba. <laughs> wow. Straight up, like that, almost that entire passage is the Father, our Father God, was cavelling over King David. He was cavelling the whole time. He was so proud of him and his love for God. And how David wanted to do something so grand for God, even though God never even asked for it. You can hear, doesn't that sound like a father? What? You want to do that for me? My, my child? I mean, I'm the one who's provided for you. A father provides for his child, right? I mean, that's what the dad does, provides for his child. But now here's one of the children saying, Daddy, I want to do something special for you. And he says, what? I never even asked for this. I never asked for anything like this. No one has ever said something like this to me. Even with as kind and generous as I've been to you and all your forefathers, nobody's ever done anything like this for me. I, you are amazing. I'll tell you how amazing you are, David. You, you, you doing that for me? Watch this. I'm going to make you a house. <laughs> you want to make me a house? Great. I'll take it. I'm going to make you a house too. And what kind of house was, was God talking about? Boom, that was a moment. The Messiah would come from King David. That's the house. The throne of David that would last forever. David honored God and God was just beaming about David. He was cavelling and cavelling about David. 
Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. I absolutely love it. He went on and on and on about David. And he actually said that he would make David's name as great as the greatest on earth. That's what he said about David. Wow. You sense how David's heavenly father felt about him. Can't you? You can really feel it. Hopefully, like you could feel like how I feel about my kids. And I just love them so much. I know. Mm, so special. Matthew chapter 7. This is a principle that is extended frequently in Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says this. Messiah says, For what man among you, when his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? No, no, no. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Oh, friends. I'm asking for us to think of this, you understand. It's, it's a different look. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really speaking to fathers out here today, even though it's Father's Day-oriented message. I'm speaking to children. To think about our Heavenly Father with a different lens. To see him as he truly is and as he truly shows himself to be. If we are children of our heavenly father, then we have to change our perspective on how he looks at us. People, oftentimes when it comes to God, misperceive him. They tend, we tend to perceive him perceive God as, as more of this mean rule maker just waiting for you to slip up. That's how he's oftentimes perceived and portrayed as this mean rule maker just looking for you to make some kind of a mistake, technical or not, and then just to get you for it. But is this even the way a good earthly father is? I'm talking about, I'm not talking about some disturbed or bad earthly dad. I'm talking about a good earthly dad. Is that, is that the way a good earthly dad is? It's not at all the way a good earthly dad is. I mean, sure, a good earthly dad does set up rules. But he sets up rules because he's trying to take care of and protect his kids out of his love for them. Not like trying to beat down on them. Not like looking for them to mess up. No, no good earthly father is, is, is doing that. No, and, and in as much as anything, like any good earthly dad is just waiting for an opportunity to heap praise on his children. That's, that's most earthly dads. They're fishing for, for, for good, good news and good things to say about their kids all the time. You know, anytime things, my dad checks in on me, how's it going at Bethel L, son? Oh, good, we had, a, we had the Joshua Aaron, Aaron Shoes concert. Oh, okay, you know, whatever it is. Oh, it was, and, and I said this is the most people we've had here. I don't know, Shavuot this year may have had more between both buildings, so I kind of take that back a little bit. But, but the point is that 
Shavuot, we had two services, Dad, going on at the same time. We've never done that before. And we had, there was lots of people in both services. Really, son? Wow, I never did anything like that. That's amazing. And he starts heaping praise. Right? That's what dads tend to do. They look for opportunities to heap praise. Good job, son. You're a good son. You're a good rabbi. My dad tells me that all the time. You're a good son. I sure appreciate it. You're a good son. I'll do something. I took him to the Braves game. Oh, wow, what a good son you are. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, you really are, you know, went out of your way. You didn't have to, you, you know, you could have done this or you could have taken somebody else. He's heaping praise. He's failing. That's what any good earthly father does. It only makes sense if you think about it from an earthly father perspective, but we don't think about it that way for our heavenly father. But that's the way he is too. He's looking to give us praise. He's looking for opportunities to bless his children. He's looking for an opportunity to cavell about them and over them. I think that the, that the stereotypical Jewish parent who cavells about their kids is closely related to how God looks at us. I was, I was at a... Uh, I was, this is a strange but interesting coincidence, I was at a funeral this week that I attended and uh, of, a, of a dear one, we sure love the, the Bennett family, and, uh, and the husband was, was speaking, and, and one of the things that he was said is that sometimes his wife, who's gone on to be with the Lord, sometimes, and she came from a non-Jewish background, him from a Jewish background, he said, sometimes... He said, she uh, struggled with, with self-esteem. And he said, me? I had a Jewish mother. I never suffered with, from self-esteem issues. <laughs> I, th I thought that was hilarious. And it really relates to what I'm saying. That stereotypical Jewish parent uh, view of their kids is a lot like how God looks at us. Now, perhaps not with quite as rosy a lens, but with a, a, a predisposition to think and speak with love, warmth, and compliments about his children. See, and that's you. That's you. This is a, this, I'm telling you, this is a real <clears throat> classic Jewish thing to, to really speak highly of. A priest and a rabbi were chatting one day. <laughs> Some of you may know this. That when, the, when the conversation turned to a discussion of job descriptions and promotional opportunities, the priest and the rabbi, well, the rabbi asked the priest, what do you have to look forward to in the way of uh, promotion in your job? Well, I'm next in line for the Monsignor's job, replied, replied the priest. Oh, that's nice. And then what? Asked the rabbi. Well, then I can become an archbishop, said the priest. Oh, that's good. That's good. And then? Asked the rabbi. Well, if I work real hard and do a good job as archbishop, it's possible for me to become a full bishop, said the priest. Oh, a bishop, yeah. Then what? <laughs> Asked the rabbi. 
<laughs> well, the priest at that point began to get a little bit exasperated and replied, well, geez, <laughs> I mean, it's possible maybe with some luck and real hard work, maybe I could become a cardinal. A cardinal, oh, wow. Uh-huh, and then, and then what? <laughs> Asked the rabbi. The priest now, getting really upset, says, by some miracle and some really difficult work, and if I'm in the right places and the right times and play my political games just right, maybe, just maybe, I could get elected Pope. Pope, oh, wow, boy, Pope, very impressive, Pope. Okay, that's amazing. And then what? <laughs> and then what? Good grief, shouted the priest. What do you expect me to become, God? <laughs> well, the rabbi said, one of our boys made it. <laughs> Classic Jewish perspective. My son, the doctor, right? I mean, that's a classic thing, you know? It's like, my son, the doctor, my son, the lawyer. It's my, you know, the Jewish parent always thinks their kids set the moon, right? This is, our people love quelling about their kids. It's part of our DNA, right, Lynn? It's just part of who we are. It's part of who we are. Genesis chapter 22. <laughs> When Abraham was willing to do anything to be obedient to the Lord, listen to how God cavells. It's so interesting. And I want you to start personalizing this, and I'm going to share with you an additional perspective that may, may tweak how you're thinking about this. Genesis chapter 22. So <clears throat> as you know, this is part of the Akita. God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his son, his only son. He was willing to do it, but then he was stopped. Verse 15, the angel of Adonai called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I swear, it is a declaration of Adonai. Listen to the cavelling. Because you have done this thing, and you did not withhold your son, your only son, I will richly bless you and bountifully multiply your seed like the stars of the heaven, like the sand that is on the seashore. Your seed will possess the gate of his enemies, and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Woo. Wow. Scriptures say that Abraham was known as God's friend. Whoa, Cam, that's heavyweight right there. God's the one who called him his friend. Woo, man, that, you talk about a, that's so way far above my pay grade. I can't even see that eye, brother. That's serious stuff, man. He called him his friend. He's quelling over Abraham. Friends, if you obey God, he notices. He notices. And here's the great thing. Get ready. This is powerful. And I want to bring it home here. Some of you have been listening to me right now. Some of you who've been watching or some of you have been listening on the podcast have been listening and you think to yourself, well, sure. I mean, <laughs> David, 
Abraham, of course, I get that. But God would never cavell over me. Rabbi Kevin doesn't know what I've done. He doesn't know what I've thought, and I know that God does. Listen, Shema. God, mm, this really, just for me, just make the message just, mm. God was quelling over Abraham even though he was a liar who multiple times put his wife's to put his wife at risk. God was quelling over David, who was a murderer. Was God implying that these things were okay? Not in any way, shape, or form. But it just goes to show how God's forgiveness is so complete. His forgiveness is so complete that he quelled over these imperfect people. Because guess what? <laughs> as great as they are, <laughs> my own children are not perfect. <laughs> sure, they've got flaws, but that's not what I'm seeking to focus on. Yes, I'll correct my children when I have to correct them. I'll do it. But I'm so immeasurably proud of them when they do what's right. It's not about how perfect your kids are as to if you cavell. You should be looking for opportunities to cavell anytime they do something that's right. That's the way God is with us. He's not looking to put a hammer down on us. Psalm 103 you can turn to it. Some of you have not forgiven yourselves. Brother or sister, God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. He still thinks you're great. Listen, you're not, listen, you're not even a murderer like King David. Good grief. You're way ahead of King David on that level. When you do good and right things, God looks down upon you with great love and compassion. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so Adonai has compassion on those who fear him. <laughs> My dad used to say that God has your picture in his wallet. <laughs> I remember he used to say that. He's quelling. The angels are getting tired of him constantly showing them your picture. <laughs> and listen, listen, beloved, I know that's a dated analogy. Let's say that God has your picture on his smartphone, okay? <laughs> it's probably a little more updated way to look at it. Although God probably chuckles, <laughs> smartphone, <laughs> funny. 
God is so proud of you. He's proud of your effort. He sees when you strive to do your best and to give your best to God, and he loves it when you do that. He knows you're going to mess up sometimes, but he doesn't seek to dwell on your failures. Pray that you will see yourself the way that God sees you. Because if you see yourself the way that God sees you, it will change your self-perception. Many people see themselves much worse than God sees them because they're under condemnation and they think they're no good and they think that they're not worth anything. But God looks down and says, Bubble, my child, I'm so proud of you. I know you struggle with this in your life, but I saw how you did the right thing that time. Good for you, son. Good for you, my daughter. Did you see that, Gabe? Look at the choice she made. Uh Uh-huh. She's getting there. She's getting there. You keep going. You keep going. You go, girl. You keep going. Yeah, yeah. Do you see her? She's she's something else. I'm telling you, if she makes the right decision, she's going to be in good shape. He's cavalling over us. This is the nature of God. Okay, let's conclude with Matthew 17. (laughs) And if you needed (laughs) any more evidence that God is indeed a father, and, and God indeed is a father that likes to cavell about his children, all you have to do is look at Matthew 17. What do we have? Yeshua on a mountain with some of his Talmudim, frequently called the transfiguration. Verse 2, now Yeshua, he, Yeshua was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light. Whoa. Yeshua up on the mountain, transfigured. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with Yeshua. Peter responded to Yeshua, Master, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three Sukkot here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice from out of the clouds saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Oh, man, that is fantastic. I love that. And remember, it's the second time the the Father God said that about Yeshua. The first time was when he was being immersed. The Father felt compelled to speak highly of his Son. He was so proud of what his Son was doing. Beloved, God loves you. God loves you. You don't have to be perfect. God knows you're not going to be perfect. He forgives and he loves you. And God is love. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see how God feels about you. He thinks you're special. Not me. Yes. You. He thinks you're special. He really does. It's Father's Day weekend, and you were the child of your heavenly Father. And as a father, this is how he thinks of you. The title of my message today is Cavell. <laughs> Let's bow our heads.
Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for any of you here today who are struggling with your self-image. If you are struggling at all with your worth, with your value, I want you to feel the love of the Lord here today. The love of your heavenly Father. He's cavelling. He thinks you're something special. He didn't create you for, for no purpose. He created you with great intentionality. Are you short? Are you tall? Are you big? Are you small? Are you black? Are you white? It doesn't make any difference. God made you that way. You're perfect in how God made you. He loves you. You make a mistake, you, you struggle, you, you, you sin, it's not okay. Ask God to forgive you. He'll forgive you. And when he forgives you, man, and then next time you get it right, he's so proud of you. My goodness, he's so proud of you. He loves you. He's cavelling about you and over you. Oh, he's just, that's how he feels about it. That's the God that we serve, y'all. He loves his children so much. He loves you so much. I want you to really feel that. Some of you today just needed to feel this. You needed to hear it. You needed to know it. Because it's encouraging to know. Especially when you, when you feel of little worth or value or like a failure. God doesn't look at you as a failure. At worst, he looks at you as in progress. <laughs> in progress. And he's looking for opportunities to just speak highly of you. Thank you, Lord, for, for imparting this to us. Thank you, Lord, for letting us feel this. Understanding. And Lord, I think the, the, may, the better we can, and it's interesting how you paralleled it in your scripture and when you were here on this earth, about how if we understand a good earthly father, a good earthly father, we can, we can tangibly understand how a good earthly father cavells about his kids. Sets rules, but and corrects if necessary, but the cavells. And to understand that that's how you view us, that changes things a little bit. Thank you. If you're here today and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, if you've never committed your life to the Lord but you'd like to, raise your hand and we'll pray together if you've never given your life to God. If that's you. Or if you're watching online or listening on the podcast, repeat this prayer after me and you've never said this prayer. God will change you on the inside. You will become a child of God. You'll get a new, da you'll get a new daddy. You'll be adopted right in, pulled in. Say, dear Yeshua, dear God, I ask Yeshua to come into my heart right now. Please forgive me of my sins, God. I'm sorry. I'll live for you the rest of my days. I believe Yeshua is risen again, sitting at your right hand. Thank you, oh God. Thank you for being my daddy. Thank you for being my father. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm glad that you view me Oh, I do. In Yeshua's name, if you said that prayer for the first time, he's cavelling over you right now.
literally. Scriptures say the angels in heaven rejoice when someone turns to, to God. And you know that Yeshua is just so proud of you, loves you so much. Mm. He is a good father. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. You're a wonderful daddy. I thank you for my father here on earth, and I thank you, God, as my heavenly father. What a wonderful thing. We ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.